You're now listening to Cinco Squad. They think they could take you? Yeah, I had a couple of them already saying, I'm like, <laughs> all right, I got to come to practice earlier before we start, so I can just let you know I ain't lost none. All right. For sure. Like, you, just to, you just have to dress up, put, get you a Halloween costume, get a little gray beard and be in there and just make them feel like, who is this freaking punk? You just ball on them. Uncle Drew. Optimizing <laughs> you like, <laughs> That's definitely what I got to pull off. We back again, and we are finally Cinco Squad with five members. With me are my brothers, Trey Day, Mike A, Grandpa J, and special guest, Idris. Idris, welcome back to the show. This time, part of the show. Instead of an interview. How you been, brother? How you been doing with basketball in California? Been good. Been good, man. We started the season last night. Um, Unfortunately, it was a loss, but we got a young team, and, you know, they're getting to the groove, and... You know, we're just finding guys at the gym rats. That's my biggest thing right yeah. now is getting them in the gym, you know, late nights, early mornings. So everything's going good. Do you feel a difference from college now to high school? Oh, yeah. Your patience level's got to be through. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Like, and the thing about it, too, I think, which I love is guys that don't know the basics. It's just me being able to go back into my duffel and kind of like, you know, find things and just kind of remember things. So it's, it's exciting. It's kind of like I was there once, so I need to kind of. <laughs> Right. Exactly. Like I'm with you. I'm not against you. I'm with you. <laughs> right. Do they well, think kinda... they could take you though? Was that? Do they think they could take you? Yeah, I had a couple of them already saying, I'm like, <laughs> "All right, I got to come to practice earlier before we start, so I can just let you know I ain't lost nothing." All right. For sure. Like, you, just have, this... you just have to dress up, put get you a Halloween costume, get a little gray beard, and be in there, and just make them feel like, "Who is this freaking punk?" And just ball on them. And Uncle Drew. Optimizing you. Like, that's definitely what I got to pull off. I did this on accident, but the two coaches are right next to each other to, to my – Oh, my yeah, life. look at that. So I didn't realize that. So, But, yes, we've had a great week in sports. Can't wait for today's show. Um, a lot of, lot of shake-up in the NHL, a lot of shake-up in the NBA, college football, college basketball. We're going to get into it today. Um, but I have one shout-out for one of our members, and I did not tell him I was going to do this, but I want to shout-out Trey Day for putting together a turkey drive or food drive, I should say, for his company. I want to shout him out because he got over 1,700 items and picked them up all today for people and families for Thanksgiving. I just want to shout him out because that's a really honorable thing for you to do, Trey. And we and like people have food on the table for Thanksgiving. So shout out to you. Way to go, Trey. Way to go, Trey. Good stuff, Trey. Thanks. Awesome. You want to explain a little bit about it? Like, what and, and the cool part about it, I want you to explain the cool part about it. I mean, it just was an idea I had because here in Cleveland, you know, it's like a big thing. It, ironically, I'm a Steelers fan, but living in Cleveland, uh, it's always Browns versus Steelers. So I ran with my company, a food drive, where we had all of our locations basically put boxes out and we donated to the Greater Cleveland Food Bank. We ran it coinciding with the Pittsburgh uh, location also. So they were running the food drive, we were running the food drive. Cleveland ended up winning, but at the end of the day, the people who win are going to be people who donated. So we ran it for the last three or four weeks, just got tons of food, uh, took it to the Greater Cleveland Food Bank. Pittsburgh's taking theirs to the Greater Pittsburgh Food Bank. And then a couple of our other offset branches in other cities, they started like the idea. So they kind of ran a miniature version of it, but I'll probably take it more uh, nationwide next year. I just kind of wanted to get the idea off. But everybody was appreciative. And I just, I just want to come back in the community. A lot of people aren't 
you know, they don't, you know, everybody looks at Thanksgiving as this just this great time we get to eat, but people don't think about some of these people, you know, are out here and they don't get a chance to just be able to enjoy a good meal and not have to worry about something. Uh, you know, times are hard. So, I, yeah, a lot of us grew up tough, even though we didn't grow up tough, you know, times are rough. So, I'm just, I'm mm-hmm. glad to be able to put back in. That's what matters. So, 100%. We'll be doing some, we'll be doing some things in the future too. 100%. And it was great to see you do this. And it was kind of like a rivalry, Pittsburgh versus Cleveland <laughs> rivalry. So who won the contest? Cleveland won. Yes. Okay. Cleveland won. Uh, Cleveland ended up winning the contest. They won, yeah. they won this. Don't get me wrong. I was on Cleveland's side. Now I'll be back with Pittsburgh on Sunday. And <laughs> right. There you go. Win. So I'll, I'll let Cleveland enjoy this because I was on Cleveland's team. Now I'll be back with Pittsburgh. Seems like I'm supposed to be. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Make sure you guys go. Anybody that's listening, go go to your local food drive. Donate food, even if it's one or two cans of like beans, you know, cranberry sauce, whatever it is. People are needing food for Thanksgiving while you're eating food. They should eat too. So really appreciate that for Trey. But you know what we appreciate every single week is what's on Mike's mind. He's been crushing it lately, and I want to hear what's on his mind this week. Mike, take it away. Well, actually, there's a little bit of kind of a segue here because my fact for this week's What's on Mike's Mind, which I appreciate everybody, by the way, out there before I begin with this fact, um, showing so much support for all of our clips, including the Mike's Mind clips. It's been awesome to see everybody's interaction with it and stuff like that. So the segue works out because it's actually about Ohio. And it's that Ohio is the only state to ever have two teams play in the national championship game for college basketball. Mm. Marshall? In in 1961 and 1962, the Ohio State Buckeyes took on the Cincinnati Bearcats in the national championship game. It's the only two times that two teams in – both teams in the final from the same state. I – and I looked it up, and it's insane that that's actually the case. Unfortunately for you, Trey, Cincinnati won both games. Shut up. Found it really interesting that those are the only two occasions where it's ever been that the two schools are from the same state. You think it as a time that it could have happened with Florida and Miami, but it's like it was Miami was good, and then the Gators are good, Florida's and then Miami was good, and then the Gators good. It never like coincided for them. Well, yeah, somebody from. Right, somebody from Florida, somebody from yeah. Texas, somebody North from Carolina. North Carolina, <laughs> all right. the time, NC State, California, Dude. like yeah, I mean the fact that two California teams crazy. were played, yeah, so, and yeah. it's not like it's not like when you think about the Ohio teams, like I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't even think of Cincinnati at that point, but I mean, I guess Cincinnati has had a historic program of being good. So when I'm looking at that, I'm I'm thinking the same thing. I'm thinking. What do you mean Florida State? Florida never met Florida State, right. Miami, Miami, Florida. Those type of schools. I'm like, right. oh, they have never met in the national title game. So that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's very interesting that those are the only two matchups. But you know what matchups we always look forward to every week, guys? Jamie's locks of the week. Bring it in, Take ladies away. and gentlemen. Bring it in while we educate you guys on how to make some money this weekend. So last weekend, three and zero. Okay, three and zero with those locks. So perfect weekend. Yeah, we played a little bit safe. So guess what we're going to do here? Since we're in that sort of Thanksgiving chair of just giving away more and more as much as we can, as our boy Trey Day did, integral in getting people to donate and feeding as many families as possible over Thanksgiving week. We're not going with three locks this week. We're going with five locks this week. And here's where we're getting started. Tomorrow night in Baltimore, them Bengals have to win that game. This is a must-win game 
for the Cincinnati Bengals. And you're giving me three and a half points. You damn well know I'm taking those three and a half points because that's going to be a three-point game either way. I don't know if the Bengals can pull it out, but let me tell you, they're going to have to play their most inspired football because the Ravens are coming off a tough loss at home to the Cleveland Browns who look like they were about to get blown out last weekend. And kudos to Deshaun Watson, even though he's out for the season now. Kudos for him bringing his team back in that one. And unfortunately, we might not see the potential of the Browns anymore this season. Let's take it to the hard court on Friday night in season play once again. Devin Booker's back. That means the Suns are back to their winning ways. I don't know who's not going to be able to get any PT here, but who cares? I want Booker on the court if I'm a Suns fan. They play the Jazz. The Jazz cannot defend the ball right now. Points galore. Take Phoenix over the Jazz. On Saturday, let's go to some college basketball because, hey, it's the greatest time of the year. We could talk NBA and college basketball. Creighton looks amazing right now. One of the best coach teams in the entire, just period, in the like NBA or college basketball. Creighton's one of the best coach teams that there is. Play a very disciplined system. Love the way those guys play ball. They are going to destroy Texas Southern. So take Creighton by whatever you get. That game is going to be ridiculous. Creighton's actually averaging, I think, up to 95 points a game or something right now. We know that's going to tear out come Big East time and, and conference time. But take Creighton over Texas Southern. Then... I don't know if you guys have watched B- any BYU football this year. Everybody has shit all over BYU. Expect Oklahoma to do the same. I don't know where that points. I think the points are somewhere in the 24 region right now. Oklahoma by 38 points over BYU. Good night, BYU. See you later. You guys should shut the season down right now. Forget about the last game of the year. And then last week, it actually hit. The under in the Iowa game was 28 and a half. Iowa scored all 22 points to win that game, 22 nothing. So what do they do? They come back this week with a 30.5 total, Iowa versus Illinois. Go ahead and stretch those arms out. Take that early Thanksgiving nap on Saturday instead of waiting all the way till Thursday. Iowa in an absolute snoozer, 17-3. The under definitely hits. It's a John-style game. Oh, but it was great defense, guys. I'm telling you, it was a great game. You should have watched it. Iowa 17, <laughs> Illinois 3. Take the under on that. So give you guys a little wrap-up. Go ahead and win yourself some big-time money this weekend. Take the Bungles at three and a half. I don't know if they're going to beat the Ravens, but they're definitely not losing by more than three. Suns over the Jazz. Creighton over Texas Southern. Oklahoma by 38 over BYU. If you're going to bet the exact points, bet Oklahoma to win by 38. And finally, go ahead and take that snooze when Iowa and Illinois come on, because when you wake up, you'll see a final score of 17 to three. Take the under in that one. It's 30.5. They won't even get to 20. That getting, a little, getting a little risky. Getting a little risky this week with five, five picks. Hey, I'm just giving the people, giving the people more chances, man. Giving them more chances. I'm in the spirit of giving this week. Grandpa Jay is eight and one in his last three weeks. So eight and one, everyone. But the last time he went five picks, what were you? Uh, Let's not talk about that. (laughs) So the buzz is going about the college football playoff. The new rankings are out, and everybody's talking about oh, who should be first, who should be second, who should. I don't want to lose sight of actually some really good football coming up this weekend where we have the Division II and Division III championship tournaments starting this weekend for college football. Now, I think if you're around these games, if you're following these teams, you're going to have some really great games this weekend. You can get games like, like Union and Delaware Valley for the D3. You can get Springfield versus Ithaca, both undefeated in... Uh, in their conference play, as well as Grand Valley State versus Ferris State, Cutstown versus Virginia Union. So I just really want to, you know, reinforce the fact that D1 is not the only level that has good football in it. 
So if you're by these games or if you think, you know, it might be a fun time this weekend, take the family, take the kids, what have you, to a good football game, go check out. Make sure that you don't miss out on some of these great games. Go check out D3 and D2 football because sometimes you might be seeing a future NFL player. Crisscross. All right. Side hop two times. We could do something like that with like it can show. <laughs> you ever see those like on Instagram where you see in the reels where like they're they're all like running this way oh, yeah, like yeah, yeah. in the Zoom meetings like we could all like do that. Yeah. <laughs> we find that out that shit would be funny. <laughs> who you with? Oh, we got a new game alert. We're gonna play something called Who You With. Uh, a lot of times now, and I, I hate to say it, but we're all starting to get older. So I look out and I see different people on the court, different people on the hardwood, different people on the ice, different areas. I'm like. Man, is that who I think it is? He's a coach now, or oh, that dude's still in the league, and I just can't believe it. So we're gonna play a little game. It's more of a shout out, just shouting out people who we maybe grew up watching, or we like. I didn't know that guy was with that team. I didn't know he coached. I didn't know he was doing this for a career now. And you know, just give people their flowers. You know, let people know these people are still here. They're still available. They're still putting in work. John, why don't you kick us off? What you got? Who you with? Oh boy. So which one of these players? Is the running backs coach at Oklahoma? AP, DeMarco Murray, Marquise Dupree, or Quentin Griffin? Marquise Dupree. You going with Marquise Dupree? Yep. Uh, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Murray. Okay. See, you've you've said the. You said the two that immediately struck me because me too. prominence wise, you think I, 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 I'm 99% sure it's not AP. I feel like I would know that one. That's the only yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. The prominence wise, you would think it's DeMarco Murray, but I'm going to, you know what, Jay, I'm going to trust you. You've been on with multiple choice questions. You've been good the last couple of weeks. I'm going to go Marquise Dupree. The prayer is the beast, though. Yeah. I'm going to go Griffin. Well, I'm probably wrong, but. There you yeah, well, you shouldn't trust Jamie because it's DeMarco Murray as the running backs coach oh, at, wow. at Oklahoma. Okay. He was a beast at Oklahoma. He, you no, remember he, was. he was a beast. And then when he came out, he was like, I was like, damn, this dude's like taking the range from who did who do who was before uh DeMarco Murray at Tennessee when he went to the NFL? Wasn't it Chris Johnson? Or was Chris Johnson after him? After I think he was after. So Murray started. Didn't Murray start as a as a cowboy? Yeah, he ended it. He ended as a cowboy. I thought they started as cowboy. Yeah, other way around. I think. Yeah, started as a cowboy. Ended as ended with Titans. Yeah, yeah. So I think Chris Johnson in Tennessee. Chris Johnson was before Murray. Mm -hmm. Trying to remember who the running back before, essentially between Emmitt Smith and. In those like early to mid two thousand, they said yeah. no. Marion Barber Smith. somewhere in there. Marion Barber, was yes. There. You said Marian Emmett Bar Smith. No, it wasn't Emmett Smith, but I'm thinking like prominent Dallas running backs. It's like Emmett Smith, and there's somebody in like the early to mid two thousands, and then there's Demarco Murray. <laughs> James Harden? No Zeke. No Zeke is the one I, that made that famous. I said, pro I said prominent. 
or a successful one and his rookie year then after yeah. that his number just said and the and the greatest memory will be his final play as a Dallas All Cowboy famous. when he got run over. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that shit was his, his great memory. <laughs> That'd be his greatest memory. Winning us a championship in that stadium. In half, with half a jersey. Doesn't matter. All he needs is it, half a jersey. Adrian, when you were playing, would you wear your jersey like that? Like, like, yeah. up in no, the like, uh, like, I'm like, right back, I would though, because they, I mean, shit, they can't grab tackle. it. It makes it it's hard to tackle, it's tactical, yeah. Except yeah. he wears a damn bath towel, <laughs> you could grab one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I did. That might look like he had that thing stuffed in between his jock strap, bro. <laughs> <laughs> out there, shit. Did you guys see that Emmett Smith changed his jersey four times when he broke the record? I did not, he changed his jersey. Four times so that he could right. he could keep on he could give it to like the the general manager the owners and all that yeah that's, that's interesting that. that's cool it's crazy that's cool I mean what uh, why would I mean that's a Dallas thing that is a Dallas Cowboy thing jersey cleats and I think helmet too speaking of Dallas let me go next who you were all right so which one of these legendary dunkers is the president of basketball operations for the NBA G League team for the Mavs. Known as the Texas Legends. Is it Clyde Drexler, Jason Richardson, Harold Miner, or Spud Webb? I'm gonna go Richardson. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm gonna go with I feel like I didn't go with the uh, with the blatant pick last time. So uh, yeah, Jason Richardson. Spud Webb. Mr. John Sawyer hit it on the money. It is Spud Webb. Spud Webb. Nick oh, baby Spud. Yep. Spud Webb. You give me a cool name, I'm gonna take it all day. Five foot seven. <laughs> I don't care if it's wrong. I'll take it all day. I think Spud can still dunk at 45. He's oh, president. I have, no, I have no doubt. He's president? He is okay. the president of basketball operations for the Texas Legends. And that's the G League team? The G League team for the Mavs. Okay. Good for him. Uh, mm-hmm. All right, Trey. All right, so... Which one of these uh, former basketball players is a current assistant for the Milwaukee Bucks? We got Glenn Robinson, Vin Baker, Sam Cassell, or Terry Cundis? Sam Cassell. Cassell was with the Clippers. I don't know if he did come over to the Bucks. Who, Terry Cummins, you said, is in there? Yeah. I'll take Cummins. I don't think Sam is still in LA though. Sam, he may have moved, right? Yeah, I think he's out. Thing, I'm gonna I don't think he's with the Bucks. I can't remember. I saw him on a yeah. different sideline. Don't think he's with the Bucks though. Who was the, what was the first name he said? So we had Glenn Robinson, Vin Baker, Sam Cassell, Terry Cummins. So Glenn and Vin were both Bucks. That's yeah. So was Cassell, and so was Terry Cummins. They all. Yeah, I know they were all Bucks. Oh, facts. Yeah. All four of them all. I'll go Vin. I'll, I'll go Vin Baker. Okay, so today Mike is right. Vin Baker. Yes, was Vin Baker. Sam, I forgot where Sam, Sam was. That, he was an assistant. Uh, he, yeah, Sam was has been assistant forever. Y'all can look up where he's at. Real quick, though, more importantly, a lot of people aren't going to remember Vin Baker, but that motherfucker was a monster. He was but, a monster. But this, this is where it gets interesting here. This man went from being on the hardwood, blowing $100 million, to being a barista at Starbucks, to being an assistant coach. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. So wow. Ben Baker made over $100 million in his career. Uh, but as he got older, he started to have weight issues. He had drinking issues, uh, battle with alcoholism, 
uh, got a little bit of, uh, at least I read, supposedly had a little bit of issues with drug use and stuff like that. He ends up hitting up the owner of Starbucks, says, hey, I need a job. Dude basically works now as like a barista, kind of works him up the ladder, helps him get some structure in his life. And he credits that to being, he wrote a book about it, he credits that to being why he today is like the man he is. So eventually he ended up going on to be a Bucks assistant, which he's been with the Bucks since 2018. So he actually was an assistant on a championship team with the Bucks. But people forget about that. With him and uh, Big Dog back in the day in the 90s, mm-hmm. the most was cold. And Ben Baker is a gold medalist in the 2000 Sydney team. Most people forget he was on that uh, NBA gold medalist team. And he went to four straight All-Star games. That is a forgotten NBA legend right there. Huh? Ben Baker. Stand. Get that, man. I remember uh, Benny. Benny played for Seattle, didn't he, too, for a little he while? He went to Seattle after that. Yeah. Yeah. He had a couple years in Seattle with Ray because he went he was in Seattle when Ray was there. Yeah. And they shared a little bit of time. He missed the Bucks, Ray. They met up in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Yep. Shout out to Ben. Yeah. Benny B. Who you with, Mike? Who you with? Tell me, guys, who of the following players is now a player development assistant for the L.A. Clippers? Hmm. Is it Anthony Parker, Wesley Johnson, Johnny Flynn, or Kiki Vanderway? Weasley Johnson. I feel like you put those two in there for the world, Kiki. For my Syracuse captain knowledge. Weasley. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go. So Anthony Parker, Wesley Johnson, Johnny Flynn, or Kiki Vanderway. Yeah, I'm gonna go Kiki. Wesley Johnson's with the he's with the Hawks, I think. I don't know, but yeah, I'm gonna go Kiki Johnson. I'm gonna go Johnny Flynn. Okay. So what we got a Weasley, a Johnny Flynn, and two Kikis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you love me? Well, unfortunately, hopefully Stump the Squad goes as well for me because I've dumped everybody. It's nice. Actually, no, I'm sorry. Jamie did get it right. It's Weasley, Weasley Johnson. Johnson. <laughs> oh, I put oh, Johnny Flynn to deflect the put some, put some respect on No, I just Wesley. thought of Wesley, Wesley Johnson. Wesley, oh, yeah, I think Wesley Matthews is with the Hawks. Yeah. But yeah, Wesley Johnson yeah. is uh, with is a player development assistant with the L.A. Clippers and – is one of the answers to a trip of trivia question across sports, which is name a player that's played for both the Lakers and Clippers. Mm. He had actually his best years with both. I tell you what, though, I, I, I'm willing to put out a survey oh, here. We should put out a survey over under on how many games Harden, PG, and um, and Kawhi play Kawhi. together at, at at sixteen this season. No, we're talking about actually on the court. At sixteen like, games at one six sixteen. Physically, they appear together. Yeah, let me tell you this. Sixteen. I think LeBron and and KD being on the court at the same time is going to be more games. <laughs> they haven't played together. They play on the same court yeah. since twenty eighteen. So, <laughs> what what did that those three in Brooklyn go like two games? Uh, I think I think it was a total of twelve games. It was like twelve or something. Yeah, something like that. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah, they were talking Russell about James. Harden, they were talking about James Harden today, and like I forget who was going in on him on first take, but they were basically just going in like you're not you're like you're nothing in this league at this point. Like you're you're talking about how you're the point of factor, and I'm just like they're, they're right. He led the league in assists last year. You can't say that he's nothing. The problem but, is but, attitude presents him to be correct. Like he proclaims himself to still be the key to winning a championship, but you've never done it. That's the, that's the problem. Right. Never done it, never right. will. 
Yeah. Done and never would. The closest was when OKC got there. That was his closest shot as a Yeah, and he looked and like he wasn't. <laughs> and he looked like shit in that finals too. Yeah. The problem is, I mean, he's just a shooter, right? He can get to the basket, but I feel like he's so reliant on the shooting aspect of his game and that he is the point. Well, he puts this on himself. He said, I'm the point of emphasis. Mm -hmm. Like, no, you're not. Like, Joel Embiid is. a seven-foot-three guy that's just won the MVP's emphasis of the the offense. And I forget who was saying – somebody on ESPN I heard say say it. The main problem the Clippers have right now is – so they have a big four, right, Mm -hmm. technically – yeah. All four are traditionally ball dominant players. Yeah. yeah. There's only so much there's only one ball to play with. So who's off ball? Russ. I guess <laughs> Russ is the, the for sure definite, but other than that, I don't know. Right. I mean it's Russ, but at the same time, you can't leave Russ in the corner to spot up his shoes. You don't right. exactly. can do it. Either Either way, 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 like, I'm I'm no. No, no, no. no. Russ is gonna take that shit. That's the issue. Because he's yeah. gonna be open. He's gonna take that shot. Russ needs to come off the bench for real, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. That's what they need to do. That's the only shot. They gotta put him off the bench. They gotta stagger these minutes. That's kind of what they need to do in the Lakers, but he wasn't going to. So Right, he wasn't gonna do it there. That's he wasn't gonna do it. A lot of these players have a pride issue where they don't want to come off the bench, but a lot of guys made their career. I get that like you're at some point in your career that you have to know, all right, I just don't have it. And the league has changed. The league has completely changed from when those guys were rookies. There was only a couple good teams back then. Now there's there's not really a dominant team right now that you can say they're winning the NBA finals because each team has had a like Denver. maybe Boston, maybe Boston, maybe Denver, because they reloaded, but Still, they've had spurts where you look at them, they're like, this is the same Boston team we were talking about, this is the same Denver team. So when I look at the, you know, they're isn't playing Denver good basketball. And, what? Isn't Denver 9-1 and one right now? I don't know. I don't yeah, know they're, they're, yeah, they're in first place, I believe, yeah. Yeah, they are. The Sixers just lost their second. I think Boston only lost one, I believe, or maybe two. But I'm saying, like, you know, besides the record, during the games, you can see spurts where, like, okay, like, even though they win the game, you can still see, like, where their weakness is, right? So getting rid of some of their bench help, I think, is is good, ultimately. So mm-hmm. we'll see We'll see how uh, the season plays out. We're only 10 games in, like you guys said. Let me, who, uh, who you with? Let's do this. Um, this, okay. this, this past veteran, NBA veteran, is now – a GM in the G League. A Tayshawn Prince. Shante B, Robert Ori. C Ben Wallace. Or D Jameer Nelson. Hmm. Shante Compton for the win. My guy from Kentucky. Show me some love. Shout Cal- out the cats. Shout out the, cats. <laughs> the Compton guy, too. I, I love the idea. I would say I love I the idea of Ben Wallace being a GM. So I just don't think he's personable to be a GM, though. It's intimidating. I think it'd be the best. Be scared, sign, <laughs> sign, kid. Sign, on the sign, team. motherfucker. Oh, oh, okay. Yes, sir. Cool, yeah. no. <laughs> you're paying for five dollars. Yo, kid. Sign on the line. Could you imagine over them? That'd be hilarious. No. All right, who is it? D. Jameer Nelson. I mean, he was a floor general, so that makes sense. Yeah. Now, nah, too, I think he's so he's with the Blue Coats, and then you know he went to St. Joe's. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in the league 14 years um, with Orlando. Um, 
And then I think him just being able to be in the Philadelphia area and the PA area is huge, you know, him being born in Chester. So I think this yeah. is, 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 is huge, you know, in the sense of just guys being in, in the league and still in the executive office after being players and being exactly where they're from, too, is huge. Yeah. I got to ask you something. If, <laughs> do you think Patrick Ewing would be a scary coach to play for? I feel like that motherfucker would be so scary. I think he would be. I think I, would, I would never want to do anything wrong. Like he get mad and just it's like, oh, okay, yeah, my bad, my bad. Except when you go to shake his hand, it's like, why is my hand bigger than yours? <laughs> <laughs> now, some of the videos I've seen are pictures where like there's the assistant coach like drawing up stuff. I feel like it's like a it's a reason why. Like if he was, I just feel like his delivery sometimes may be off. You know, I think just that's the right formula. I feel like for him as a head coach. Bro, yeah. I would kill to play for Dikembe Mutombo. You're not defending the Red Buffalo. <laughs> Coach, I want to get in. No, no, no. That's going to be hilarious. Get that man to Heisman. Let's stop playing. Marvin Harrison, or a.k.a. Maserati Marv, that Heisman's his. Y'all need to stop playing. Go ahead and crown that man. He's the best player in the country. And to be honest with you, Caleb Williams, as good as he's been, I don't know if you shouldn't look at possibly taking Marvin Harris with the number one pick. I don't care who's up there because the thing about him is he's a guaranteed pick. I know you don't get too many people you feel like they're guaranteed, but the guy has a good shoulder on his head. He's a hard worker. He's a real good player. He can run routes. He makes amazing catches. His teammates love him. You can't beat that. When I look at him and I just look at him as uh, the best player to win a Heisman, it's hard to say somebody else should get it. You look at the way that Penix has kind of fell off a little bit late, the way Williams has fell off. Why not give it to the best player in the country? Last year, if he had never got hurt, honestly, Ohio State would be champs right now. If Georgia, they had no answer for him. The only reason Georgia got to finish that game was because Maserati Marv was not out there to finish that game. He already this year has over 1,000 yards receiving. He already has 13 total touchdowns this season. And with that being said, he's going to expand that. He still has the Minnesota game. He has the Michigan game. He has the Big Ten championship. Yes, I did say it. He has the Big Ten championship. After he gets done putting that work in on Michigan, he will have the Big Ten championship, and then he's going to lead that team to a championship. The other reason he's supposed to get the Heisman is, look who's throwing, who's throwing the ball. Kyle McCord, he ain't worth a damn. We got to be honest. All of those Ohio State fans will tell you that. Look how good he makes McCord look. If you take that man off the field, it's a whole different team. So give that man a Heisman now. All right. Well, as we continue to talk about college basketball, we got our college basketball takes. Um, so basketball started last week, as we all know. Jay's Kentucky Wildcats took on Kansas here. And, uh, yeah, there's a team in North Carolina. We got Syracuse and Bonaventure playing again. But in college basketball, are we finally seeing a shift in early season rankings? So, like, teams that are, are not normally in the top 25 – um, getting in there because of who they have on the floor, such as FAU, such as Colorado, such as JMU. Are we seeing a shift in the in, in not doing going off the history of the program? Trey, what you or uh, Mike, what you think? Yeah, so I think I think we are. We're we're starting to see a bit of a a, a change in the way uh, the AP specifically is looking at some of these programs. They're these programs that like. The Owls who flew on from Florida Atlantic all last year. Some fun times in March Madness. The Owls fly on. Yes, everybody loves it. Um, they returned. And we've we talked about the last couple of weeks how they returned a majority, if not all, of their prominent players from that deep tournament run. And so they're being rewarded for that. They start off in the preseason rankings at number 10. So 
I think that's a really cool thing to see. James Madison getting in this week for week, the week two rankings, I think is really cool to see. These teams are being rewarded for being able to not only recruit, bring in transfers, because we know the transfer, we've talked before how the transfer portal across college sports is changing the game and the way recruitment works, but also the fact that these teams that have these fourth and fifth year seniors that are committed to the program and have developed within the program, they are being recognized as being talented players. And it's not just, I mean, I think it's tough. It's tough, you know, for some people probably to believe it being that I'm the fan of North Carolina, a perennial blue blood and things like that. But it's nice to see programs be able to break into the top 25 in the preseason as, as the season goes on. And it's not just based on reputation. It's not just, well, they should be good. So we're going to put them in the top 25 because we think that's where they're going to end up. No, the, that's why you do the weekly rankings. You do the weekly rankings because these things change. Teams are good. Teams have bad weeks. Teams have good weeks. Like, don't award in week two a team you think's going to be, you think, don't know, you think's going to be a top 25 team by the time we hit February and March. Because if they're a top 25 team in February and March, then those rankings are when they'll get in there. But for now, I love seeing I love seeing these smaller programs that have made the big moves and have brought people back and are successful being rewarded for that. Mike, well, I think, uh, do we – so the other week we discussed about college football and preseason mm-hmm. rankings. Do you think college basketball should have preseason rankings or just start everybody without a ranking and make one later in the year? Uh, so to uh, me – I'm okay with college basketball having preseason rankings. I don't think, again, like college football, like we've said before, I don't think they need every week to rank, especially with the number of games they're playing. Like, Because things change, and we talk about anybody can beat anyone on on any given night. The preseason rankings, I think, is a little different for college basketball simply because we have a 68-team tournament. The last time we've seen these teams was in a 68-team tournament, so it's a little more of a sample size of – what they had versus what they have now type of thing. So I'm okay with the preseason rankings, but I would adjust the do whatever rank them every five weeks or what, what have you. That's just, that's my personal opinion. I'm in disagreement with that. Cause I don't think you need preseason rankings. I think in the first couple of months, especially with the transfer portal, you're literally trying to figure out chemistry with your team. Who's working on the floor, who's going to work well, what plays are going to run well, you know, those type of games, like you're going into tournaments, like, Maui Invitational, you're going to New York for a, a, a tournament. Like you're going to these preseason tournaments where you're trying to figure out how you match up against better opponents. So like the preseason mm-hmm. rankings, I feel like just aren't accurate. And then going on the rankings, you know, the rankings are great because we're finally seeing recognition for teams doing well. Mm-hmm. We say this every single year, a team that goes 30 and two, but doesn't play in a really great conference is getting overlooked and I think FAU, Farley Dickinson, these type of schools set a precedent that we do have good players and we can compete with the best teams in the country. You need to give us our flowers. We This 30 wins was earned, not just given. So I feel like a lot of these, they help these schools like James Madison, like Farley Dickinson, if they continue to win, they'll probably be in the top 25 soon because they have a good team, right? So – when you look at these teams, I think they set the precedent by going so far in the tournament and saying, well, we should look at them. Maybe their record isn't an indication of they're just playing in a smaller conference. They're just running through it. Those type of things. 
Idris, what you think? Yeah, nah, um, I will say to the preseason rankings first, um, I think that's huge in the sense of the recruitment aspect. You know, I do think that some some coaches hit the recruiting trail and able to get those top, you know, top 10 players. And I think that that's really where you're able to see that, OK, this is what this this school has done on the recruitment end. So I do think that the preseason rankings is more so of what the recruitment has done and where the, who's coming into campus, who's new. Um, and depending on what following those players may have as well. So that's creating the stage for them. But um, I will say that these teams definitely have more opportunity, um, like Mike mentioned, James Madison, Florida Atlantic. Like those teams are definitely have more of a chance now, be it that they have that core. You know, they have those seniors, those juniors that have been there um, and haven't chosen to hit the transfer portal because that's a huge thing now. So, you know, being able to give them that credit is real huge. So, you know, I will say this, though. A lot of the blue buds today, in my opinion, I think a lot of the blue buds that are doing what they're supposed to in winning um, understand that it's real. It's more of a liability now when you lose. Like Duke, for instance, Duke lost to Arizona. They dropped, I think, once they seven spots. You know, there was a time where if you, they caught that loss, they go from one or two, I think, where they were to like maybe five or six. You know, I think that that drop now you see more of a, a distance in between. So it's giving those teams, again, the chances to get, get into play getting cracked the top 10 and now you crack the top 10 you're on TV every other night. So I do think that this is huge for college basketball. Uh, Jamie. So I've been thinking a lot about this and, and even though like we are seeing some teams who aren't the perennial teams that are in there, we kind of have to still look at like who's at the helm. Right. And is it still like a namesake coach? So I'm just really happy that Marquette's in the top five right now because we get to be like, sha, 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 smart, right? So <laughs> smart back all day. I'm happy with that. But let's look at a list of like the coaches that sort of make up the top 20 right now, right? You got Bill Seth and Matt Prainer at the top, okay, with Kansas and Purdue. Then you got Tommy Lloyd and then Shaka Smart. And now we're going to Ralph Sanson, Rick Barnes, Greg McDermott, Tom Izzo, Mark Few, Jim Laranega, Buzz Williams, Scott Drew. Nate Oates, and then we have kind of Dusty May, of course, Calipari's in there. Dusty May's kind of hanging around there like, hey, guys, I'm making a name for my program, right? So it's still sort of like these coaches that have had a lot of success. Uh, they've won conference championships. They've taken that team on deep runs in the NCAA tournament. So at first, when I started looking at it and I thought about the topic, I know it brought up, I was like, it looked great. There's more parity now, but it's sort of like they're still going with that traditional head coach that has been there, done that, and let's give that team a shot and put them in the top 25 because, A, we're probably going to get good quality basketball from them. Those are the games we want to have on TV. So it's more than likely people are going to be attracted to good quality basketball other than the fact that you have somebody who should be ranked and then fans are going to be like, oh, our team might not be that good this year. Maybe we won't pay attention at the beginning of the year. I think a lot of it is notoriety of the coach. It puts the school in that limelight like they want that school to be in there. I think what college basketball does, does greater than any other sport is have the best teams play each other early on in the season to give us the eye test and to really see whether or not the Blue Bloods, like Adris said, are really still those Blue Bloods. And, and what's happening now is that they're not having that same respect of, oh, you lost another, you know, big team or, you know, we respect the Blue Bloods in the sense that we'll drop you down one or two spots. It's like, no, like there's six or seven teams much better than you right now that we see. They're not afraid to put an Alabama or an Arkansas or a Miami ahead of, a traditional program like a UNC or a Duke. So that part is cool for me. So more respect being, I guess, given throughout the land now. It's not so much ACC dominant like we once saw or Big East dominant. Mm. And, you know, like I always say, it's not that I'm SEC biased. If you look at the coaching contracts in the SEC right now, that's why the SEC is on the rise. Calipari's at 8.5. You have Rick Barnes at 5.6. 
and then a list of every coach goes down the lowest paid coaches three three at three mil plus right it's a lot of money for a team that might not even sniff the ncaa tournament well i mean like when i look at the you know in in one one side no shout out to you know Idris for pulling that upset against shaka smart when my fr- my first semester at bonaventure that was my first ever game at bonaventure by the way he put that upset and then then they stormed the court number 16 vcu against shaka and they were they were ruthless. Bono yeah, fans are ruthless. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they ran his ass out of the gym. <laughs> um, but on that, you know, when I'm looking at these, you know, sort sort of blue bloods, we're looking at them as football schools, in my opinion. So when you look at Alabama, Arkansas, USC, those type of schools back when I was a kid were never really good basketball programs. Tennessee. They were okay. Yeah. You know, Tennessee, like all these programs were like, Okay, but the name sits a lot harder, right? So you bring in Nate Oates, who came from Buffalo, didn't you know? Now he's starting to get more notoriety now, right? Because he's getting the recruits and everything. Mm-hmm. But I feel like wow. when we look at basketball, <laughs> when you look at basketball, you have to take it separated from football. I think I, see, I think so many people bring Alabama football into the basketball. And it's like okay, right. they're good, right? You know. So I feel so much that it's weird seeing Alabama. For me, as a you know diehard college basketball fan, to see USC and Arkansas and Alabama, you know now in the top twenty-five, Illinois always had a pretty good program. So you know, Texas A&M has been there. So it's it's kind of weird for me to see that. I don't know why, but I, it just still it doesn't resonate. I don't know yeah, if you see anything. You wouldn't. You wouldn't normally. I agree. Expect the SEC to be putting out so many good. Uh, basketball schools compared to your ACCs, your Big Tens, your Pac-12s, things like that. Schools that are conferences that have a lot of schools that are traditionally very good basketball schools. But to John's point, though, it's really because football opened up that market for them to open up the checkbook. And they were like, hey, the only way we get the value of the basketball program to maybe match the football program, it won't Mm -hmm. come there in Alabama, but they flirt with it is to open up the checkbooks and bring in a, a named coach who could win that recruit, right? Right. Well, I'll tell you right about the realignment, though. We yeah, have yeah. There's only going to become more. With conference realignment, some of these mm-hmm. football programs. So you like you just said the Pac-12 won't be a Pac-12. Although, so UCLA will now make the Big Ten a stronger <laughs> basketball program mm-hmm. for, or basketball conference, for example. So it's going to be, I guess, to me, I think that's going to be interesting going forward of watching these, you know, schools that – where basketball powerhouse, everybody talked about the football aspect of, oh, it's realigning, but what about the basketball programs? That changed the whole scope. I mean, right. look how the, the Big East basically got dismantled because of football. That's mm-hmm. why we lost the Big East basketball because of the football programs. And mm-hmm. they didn't think about, okay, what happens when Syracuse leaves out, out of the Big East and, you know, Georgetown was doing even a football team, but they had to go mm-hmm. suffer because of everybody else in football left to go play right. over here. I mean, West Virginia is already playing the Big 12. I mean, it's, I'm really interested to go forward and see which one of these schools reshape themselves mm-hmm. with the realignment. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Idris, we never we didn't, we didn't have you on the show at the time, but what do yeah. you think about the realignment? The Pac-12 pretty much being eliminated, and then having one of their best years in college football yeah. in the last ten years. I'm hurt. I'm not gonna lie. I'm hurt <laughs> because I'm a diehard USC fan. Um, I don't I, I don't necessarily disagree with it, but I will say this. Um, that traveling as a college athlete, yep. going in the Big Ten, we going to school in California, 
having a road trip to where you're going to Ohio State, Penn State, whatever the case may be, you're not coming back for a week and a half. Let's be honest. It's going to be a three-game road trip. And essentially, I think it's going to be – obviously, it's like an NFL. It's going to be more on a professional level. But I, I'm hurt by it. I don't necessarily disagree with it. But I do think it's going to challenge um, – the aspect of what's to come next for the other sports, man, like the football, the basketball, the baseball, the swimming. Like I know in the Pac-12, it's big, it's big water polo. Like, I don't know what's going to happen to a water polo player that's at UCLA. Like, what does that look like? You know what I'm saying? Right. I don't know. We spoke about it too. It's like, how they're going to be freezing in Nebraska. (laughs) (laughs) You know what's going to happen is there's going to be these, you know how like they have North campus. They're going to have like East coast campuses. And just yeah. for like that season, I mean, <laughs> you're gonna see sense. that now. I, I, yeah. I you're gonna so? see them pop up. I think they will. I mean, I, it just popped in my head. I was like, I was thinking, like, they got all these, like, like when we went to Nova Southern, when I saw you play last year, when you saw West Georgia play, that's mm-hmm. their North Campus up there. But like, there's oh, one yeah. right next to my house here in Kendall in Miami. So it's about yeah. 45 minutes away. So in my head, I was just thinking, like, well, I could see them pulling, like, okay, well, we're gonna have a East Coast campus just for just for the football team or basketball team or whatever, right? Yeah. So, no, I can see that man. They those, they they get on their the school jets. They fly out there on a Friday morning or a Thursday evening, and they'll be home by Sunday morning. So. Come on, Dries, you know you guys don't have like layovers or anything. You fly directly to the fucking place. yeah. But like, I'm saying, that's a direct flight Friday. They play Saturday. They're gonna come. If you play, say you play Ohio State and you got Penn State the following week at Penn State, yeah, you're yeah. not coming online. Everybody say online classes. No one's coming back. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah, their online classes and have tutors travel with them, right? Exactly. So, right. so yeah. you know, now they got a little vacation. You know, might have to go to a city, just chill for a little bit on the East Ooh, Coast. A vacation right? in Pennsylvania. <laughs> well, no, North, <laughs> North Pennsylvania, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, vacation from no class. My bad. Yeah. Go out. Standing in the field. UCLA's probably like, can we just at least go like to the ACC and maybe go like to Miami, like right. Florida State, at least kind of like Jetson right there. Right. <laughs> so no, you get to go to Rutgers in New Jersey. And Piscataway. The Piscataway, New Jersey. Piscataway, New Jersey. Kentucky basketball is officially back. And y'all might be thinking, like, what the hell are you saying? We lost to Kansas last night, but hold up one second. Kansas needed a gargantuan effort from the starting point guard, DJ Harris, who had a career high in points scored in a game. Guy hadn't shot all season long, and now he decides to put up everything and make it against Kentucky. And transfer from Michigan, Hunter Dickinson with a huge game, 27 points and 21 rebounds. Here's why they had those big games. The middle of the zone, wide open, because our three seven-footers, Bradshaw, Ivisic, and Onyenso were out of the game. So we played a smaller lineup, but our star recruits, Wagner, Edward, and Mitchell, didn't really do that much. But guess who stepped up? Dillingham, Shepard, and Adutiero. That guy's an animal. Love him. Love his energy. He had like two dunk back last night. And then, of course, the fearless leader, Austin Reeves, who decides to stay. And what I loved about it is Calipari said, you know, when we were winning, even though we were diaper dandy across the board and we had five freshmen on the floor at one time, it was always like a, a senior that was kind of pulling it down for us, right? Tyler Eulis was one of those guys back in the day when they won the championship. If you guys remember, Devin Booker was buried on the bench somewhere and you didn't even know who Devin Booker was and we know who he is now, by the way. But Kentucky basketball is back. Kansas needed to throw everything out at us without our three seven-footers in the rotation. I love what I saw. 
The energy is there. The excitement is there. Nine of 24 from outside in the first half. Those boys were on fire. 14-point lead. Of course, the inexperience shows up in the second half. You kind of have to expect that with a bunch of diaper dandies on the court. But guess what, man? The number one team in the nation, we took them to the wire. Those boys are still learning how to play with one another. I love what I'm seeing. Let's go, Calipari. Let's go, Cats. We're making this year a magical year. We're making a run back to the Final Four. Wildcat Nation, you with me or not? C-A-T-S, cats, cats, cats. Let's go, baby. Well, as we continue this college college basketball, but this is more of a college topic and contracts. Mm-hmm. As we're talking about coaches and everything like that, coaches' contracts are crazy lately, man. <laughs> I'll tell you right now, I would love to be a football coach in the in college football in the SEC because mm-hmm. you get fired, you get the money. <laughs> J.J. Watt said that earlier. It's like uh, Pat McAfee asked him, like, hey, are you going to – would you ever want to be a college coach? He go, I'll be for one day and everything's guaranteed. <laughs> so, <laughs> is that Jimbo, Fisher? After- Jimbo Fisher's getting 76 million over the next 10 years. It's crazy. So it's kind of like going into that, um, looking at Jimbo's crazy contract and firing everything. Are we past the point of no return for super high contracts right now? Like yeah. where they're, they're just going to continue to grow, grow, grow. Cause they're all 10 year deals at this point. Trey. Yep, we're past the point of no return because with the NIL money, people are going to want more return on their investment. So if I'm going out here and I'm paying this star quarterback and I didn't came out here, gave him three Cadillacs, you know, <laughs> and bought him a little house on the side and all this type of stuff, then, yeah, I need to make sure that he has the best possible coach. So, like, I saw something, I think it was something I was reading. I don't even know how true this is, but it was something along the lines of Jimbo Fisher. They have to pay him at least $15 million of that contract within 30 days. Was a stipulation mm-hmm. in there, so it's mm-hmm. like, and the booster's like, Yeah, oh, just 15. Don't worry, we got to get him the fuck out of here. I'm tired of him sitting here in Texas. And I, I don't want him in College Station anymore. They are paying this man 70 plus million dollars to leave College Station. You know, if we are most of us get paid barely shit to leave our house just to go to work for a job, they want. they're paying him not to come to work. Well, that's they're what I'm saying, not to come to work. Over right. the next 10 years. And the crazy part about it is, he'll probably turn around and mess around and go be the coach at. Fucking Missouri or some shit next season, and they get paid again. Right. Like, no, you know no, what we the, are past point of return. <laughs> you know what the crazy part too? During that game, they just beat uh Mississippi State 52 to 10, which in my opinion, I think he's going to Mississippi State because they just fired their coach. But during halftime of the game, the boosters handed the president of the college a hundred and thirty million dollar check. And then the the literally the next day they fired Jimbo Fisher. So it's like here, here's seventy million for the here's sixty million for the school. Here's seventy million. Get this motherfucker out of my campus. And we'll cut you another check for a replacement. Right, hundred thirty million dollars. Here you go. I was like, damn. Like ask them that. At this point, <laughs> do they plan on coaching. They might not even plan on coaching. Why would you? Like you get the guarantee. We need like injuries. You need to go switch sports, go to football, and go to right? the yeah. <laughs> my headset on. You know, I'm be on the bench. be on the bench. Like, what do you want, coach? I don't know. Whatever. Man, I'm running. Hey, <laughs> Everything's, Everything's guaranteed. I'm like this. I'm out. But you got to hire Jimbo Fisher's yeah. agent. That's who you got to hire. Yeah. But crazy, right? We're talking about. You know, I say we could throw out the two names who basically say, okay. Maybe these two guys, you might take them over everybody else on that team, right? No offense, John, but I right, talk about Ryan Day and and, um, and Nick Saban, okay? They're okay. at the bottom of the totem pole right now. 
Okay, Ryan's Ryan signed a $46 million contract, which has a clause in it that says if anybody in the NFL were to hire him before February the 1st, that NFL team would owe Ohio State $4.5 million, right? Bama would owe Saban 48 months pay if he were to get fired. He's at $45 million. You know who's at the top of the totem pole right now? Kirby Smart signed a $92.5 million team. And 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 you go down the list. Brian Kelly, 70. James Franklin, 64 and a half. Why? Who the fuck is Penn State beat? Dabo Sweeney, 64. You know that. Here's what's cool about Dabo's contract. If you were to leave for Alabama, because this that's where he played, so he was a walk-on there, he would owe Clemson $7.5 million if he took the Bama job this year or next year when Saban leaves. Matt Rule, $62 million from Nebraska. For what? Nebraska is required to pay him 90% of that remaining contract. They bought Scott Frost out for $15 million. Tennessee's paid out $20 million in buyout over the cap last couple of years. The buyout number is at an astounding 585.5 mil right now with the public university's top college football coaches who have been signed for these insane contracts. What does that tell you about the landscape of college football? It's, it's all, all about the money because those TV contracts have been out of hand since Notre Dame, Notre Nobody for the last 20 years in football, mm-hmm. signed $85 million TV deal with NBC. You fucking kidding me? So the lifetime the, contract, I think. The TV, the TV, the, the, that's what's wrong. Until they want out. The media moguls have made this game ridiculous right now. And the players are finally getting a little tiny piece of the pie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and that's the problem. Like, you know, that's why the NIL became a thing. I think from that movie uh, about Nike, about signing Jordan, the guy who helped kind of create, I forget his name. But he was, yeah. Yes. He was mentioning on the Colin Coward show saying that if the he went to the NCA with a proposal on mm-hmm. how athletes could get paid back in 1980s, 80 around there, around that time frame. I think it was early in, 90s. Early early 90s, maybe 80s, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right around there. And he was saying that ultimately if we would have if they would have taken my deal, the NIL deals wouldn't be as outrageous as they mm-hmm. are now. Now it's just out of control because they opened it up. Yeah. Now I I agree with you. They should get it because if someone's buying their jersey, I have a bunch of Syracuse jerseys because of the players that were wearing those jerseys. I buy the number, right? But they wouldn't get anything from it. So with these coaching contracts, they are getting really ridiculous. Kirby Smart has earned his, right? You got two national titles, potentially another another one on the way. 92, 92, 92. Does he deserve to be the highest paid person in the state? Because a lot of times these person, these people become mm-hmm. the highest paid person in the state. And I don't think none of them deserve yeah. to be the highest paid person in the state. Yeah, because they're only they coaching 12, 12 games a year. <laughs> 14 if they're lucky. <laughs> so, I don't know. Everybody loves a winner. And it's a guarantee because a lot of times, like Jay said, I can lose and I can still keep getting paid for this. And most of us, we if somebody come out right now, they would offer me you know, a million dollars. If I suck at that shit, I don't get to go out with the meal. They would already get the hell out of my business. And continue on with your life, they'd be like, Oh, Kirby Smart, we don't like you anymore. Please leave me. Take 76 million. Oh my God, get yeah. out. Like, that's <laughs> like, but they're like, We're paying you to leave. Like, that's just, I don't know. Or how about this? With all this fucking money coming into the schools, lower the tuition. <laughs> yeah. Lower the tuition. So people aren't. That part right there, man. Yeah. That's, that's, you know, I mean, what, what, like, good does it do if you're charging someone 60 grand? I mean, yeah, more money, but. It's just annoying because I see that part of the thing, and I'm like, damn, like that's that's ter- like it's terrible how much they're ripping off. Like school is just turned into a business now, and when like you transfer into a school, you're ultimately. I had to fight for classes when I transferred from OCC to Bonaventure. I had to fight for classes. 
that were in the same classes that they wanted me to take at Bonaventure. Not, mm-hmm. you know, show them the syllabus, show them the work I did, show them the grades. And so I had to, you know, I'm, I'm right here. Like, it's right here on my, my transcript. So, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of this shit is just out of control, I think. You know, I don't think you should earn your contract, right? You should earn every single year, right? So it should be like backload. If you want to give me, okay, if, if, if Jimbo goes and wins, like, you know, four or five national titles in a row, okay. He's earned his money. Rule, but at least at least get them there. You never got to the playoffs. No, he, he had like in my rant, I said uh a clip the other day. I said he's beaten Alabama once when in the t- snapped 24 game win streak. Mm-hmm. Um he's had key a win against LSU, which was a basketball score, yeah. 74-72. Yeah. It's you know, it's what wins do you have? <laughs> like yeah. you know is it I mean? fair to say that James Franklin is the yes. most overrated and overpaid person in the entire world. <laughs> no, because I think he came into a situation that was very um, gentle, right? Like he came into a situation right after the Paterno and Sandusky thing, and he's the only one that wanted that job. So to get that program back into national light, I think he's kind of earned that in a sense because of that. But I don't. I just don't think he's. I think they need another guy to come in and kind He's of one of my favorite them. coaches. I, I love kicking their ass every like year. But I do have a but okay, so just to make sure I need clarity real quick. So my far left, my far right, I got two division one athletes here, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when you have a scholarship, they are technically renewable or non-renewable, right? And they technically don't they have to renew your for like your full ride, right? Am I right about that? Yearly. Okay. Yearly. Yearly, right? Yeah, yeah. On okay. on performance. Yeah, okay, off performance. So why mm-hmm. the fuck are the coaches in the same position as you two were in when you were Division One athletes there? But I mean, so in fairness to coaches, you say, why should I judge you on one year because your recruiting class is supposed to be that good to compete with another coach who's had multiple seasons to build his, yeah. what else, his you bricks, know why? right? So. You know why? Because if you have a bad swim meet, they can judge you off of that and they'll say, but this other guy, he's a senior, you're a freshman, so I'll be able to judge you off of that? And then be like, no, no. I cannot renew your contract. Yeah, they do. Your you're right because the it's expectations are that I, I yeah. like you have to be upperclassmen to perform. But you're right there. Sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm asking, yeah, because I got two, like I said, my far left and right, two Division one athletes here. Yeah, no, nah, it's it's renewable, but, you know, there's there has been cases where players didn't want to leave. You know, you just can't play. So you're you're entitled to the to the education. So you do still get okay. So you do. So you're entitled get, to the education. Okay. Once you sign your your national letter of intent, you're you're entitled to a four year degree. But the renewable aspect from a coach's standpoint is I don't want you to probably be in my program, or you know I want you to enter that portal. So once you enter the portal, then it kind of. Yeah it tumbles into like you not being able to go to the school. But Adris, they could tear you down. Like when I say tear you. So if you came in as a 75% athlete, they could say, look, we have to give that 25% to this freshman who performed and they deserve it more than you based on their performance. So now you drop to 50 and then it's your choice at that point. It's like, mm-hmm. can I afford to be here anymore? Right. So then that's where they're going to throw the ball in your court at that point. That's true. Do you guys feel the transfer portal? has allowed coaches to kind of do exactly what you said, Idris. Say, hey, look, you're just not for this program. If you decide to stay, you can get the education, but we're going to give you that transfer out, like, type of thing. It's a lot easier probably now. Yeah, it's easier. And, it, and I'm not saying I know any special cases, but just right. I know there's there's players that are being benched. 
You know, there's a lot of teams out here and there's players, there's players that are being benched for whatever reason. You know, I'm not saying that they could be singled out, but let's say, for instance, you have a player that doesn't have a good attitude or something like that. And they don't fit the culture that you're trying to build. And that player is being benched. That player is being pushed out of the program. That's just what it is, you know, and essentially I don't agree with that. But, you know, being able to present a player with an option, you know, I know that um, coaches know a lot of coaches. You know, when you bench a player, you don't give him the opportunity that you not necessarily promised, but you told him he'd have an opportunity to, you know, that'd be something um, I think is available that a player should be able to sit down with a coach and say, hey, this may not be the place for you, you know, but we'll figure out something for you to move on forward if you need my assistance. That It's just the transfer portal is you're on your own. You know, I don't I don't think that the transfer portal should be, OK, you're not right for this program into the portal and see what you get. I can't help you. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I didn't know they were on their own. I thought the coaches were actually helping them, like, you know, giving them a hand. Sometimes, sometimes. But a lot of the cases, I don't think it is. This is just my personal opinion. I'm not saying this is actually a thing, but, you know, right. oh, okay. right. I got you. yeah, but like you okay. can get those you can get those situations where it's just like, hey, you're not right for the program anymore. Exactly. Exactly. push you out the door and it's like okay now what do i do well i gotta enter the portal but i have no option to come back mm -hmm. like i have to go somewhere and so it's like i guess it, i guess from from a college to pro perspective in that case it's a lot like a veteran free agent that gets re released from their team and then they're like okay well i have to if i want to keep playing i gotta sign with somebody mm -hmm. and now i'm kind of beholden to who wants me and what are they offering me? Correct. And where what do you fit into that class? Because they may have right. fulfilled yeah. their needs in the fall. And right. you're, having, you're having this discussion in the spring, you know, because right. a lot of championship seasons take place in the spring. So, and they're recruiting early. So it's tough. That like the, the So I think what we go back to and what gets undermined is that's, we talk about physical strain on an athlete. There's a lot of mental strain and stress on an athlete because you know your parents can't afford to keep you at the school. You know you don't have, you know, you don't have the, the ends to stay there without your scholarship. And so a lot of times it's like you know, you know you're struggling. So what has to come first? Like there were times where I knew I had four or five hours of, of homework to do, but we were lucky that we had a tutorial center that we had to go to in our freshman year. You had to log 12 hours there. So I would my, I clear I told my 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 um my counselor, clear my I want no classes on Fridays. I'm gonna get six hours on on Friday, so I'd go in there from 7 a.m. to one. As soon as I was done morning practice, I'd eat and I'm in there. I was there all day until I had to leave to go back to morning practice, and I would just do crazy amount of work on Fridays because you also have to have a certain grade grade point average to compete, but you have to stay ahead of that at all times. And I didn't realize that you know there's stress in all departments coming from everywhere right like your counselors your coaches and, and people are on you because they want you to perform they want you to perform they want you to perform everything is performance performance and you turn to your right or left you see some kid just fucking getting by and just the hair is passing it's like hey whatever and you know they're talking about whatever they did last night and all this stuff and you're like mm -hmm. this freaking kid man like they don't know it you talk to me about you're stressed about something so i got to bite my lips quite a bit when i was in school complaining about shit. i was like well, Mother, i've been up since 4 30 you need to shut your freaking mouth <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, part two of the part two of the question was ultimately: Is college sports better with these superstar, bigger than life coaches like Bobby Bowden, like Coach K, Rick Pitino, Gino Ariema, like those type of coaches? Is sports, you know, better with them? College sports ultimately, because these coaches ultimately make the name. But I feel like we're seeing such a change in that, right? We're seeing such a 
more younger coaches start to take the shift, right? Like Syracuse, Duke, UNC take take the reins, like younger coaches. Is it better? Is it better with the superstar coaches, or is it not? So, uh, honestly, I I think from a certain perspective, I think I think it is because it kind of goes back to what was I think Jay was, you said it earlier. It's how these media companies have changed this, where. It's not just a game anymore. This is entertainment. Like mm-hmm. the, they want to entertain the fans, and so if you compare it to, actually, you know what? I will integrate a little bit of uh, my one of my sports into it. Professional wrestling. What do people like in professional wrestling? What gets people into pro wrestling? Characters. The beer. Gotcha. Well, the beer. I mean, the beer helps. Don't call Steve Austin. Don't call Steve Austin. A combination of the two. <laughs> Characters and beer. Um, but yeah, it's just what gets you into the stories most is likable or hateable characters, mm-hmm. likable or hateable coaches. R.I.P. Bob Knight. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. R.I.P. Bob Knight. Whether you loved him or you hated him, you loved him or hated him. So I think that's big for it. And I think I agree. It's it's cool to see some of these younger coaches like John Shire and Hubert Davis and guys like that taking over the reins. But eventually they'll be the superstar coaches. But I feel like Duke and UNC is not holding the same weight it did when it was Roy Williams and Coach K. So oh, I don't, I don't agree with that replacing. because – but I don't think they are living up to that, right? Like they were – okay, And they're such big shoes to fill. I feel like it's going to take a very, very long time for them to get back. Duke-UNC is one of the most, you know, prized rivalry ever. But I just – like last year, it just didn't feel like it. You know what I mean? It, when it came to the game, I just didn't like it. wasn't didn't have that magnitude to it, right? Like Syracuse Georgetown, you know. Ever since Syracuse left the Big East, not that big rivalry anymore. So I feel like now we're getting more of the schools are starting to create new rivalries with the schools. So right, like we like we said, Penn State and Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, those are becoming more of like big games for football, right? You know, so I feel like a lot of the times it's more now on the school versus the coach. So I think we are getting away from the big name coaches. Like eventually Saban's going to go off. Mm-hmm. Eventually, you know, a lot of these guys are going to go off. So and that's that's my thing on that. I don't think they're – I think the school needs to do a better job representing themselves. But like UNC and Duke had such a uh, – I guess a gift to have such two Hall of Fame coaches yeah. to carry them over the last few years where a lot of their games were kind of sloppy. Not the greatest games. Yeah, they were no, very but, sloppy games. They're very bad play. Where you go watch it, it's like, oh, okay, like that's not really like a real. We were playing Coach K versus Roy Williams. It wasn't Duke UNC. I think you also have to try and fit the personality of where you are too. Like name USC's head coach last year. Lincoln Riley comes in. Lincoln Riley fits in as like. Oh, you talking about football? Yeah, or football. Are you talking about basketball? Football. That's football. Okay, Lincoln right. Riley. Was Lincoln Riley last year? Uh, no, I'm saying prior to Lincoln Riley taking over, name their head coach. I mean, they've had Sarkeesian, they've uh, had Lane Kiffin. Yeah, no, but that's well, you're, you're a USC fan. You're going to know oh, that. I was, oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I was saying, I knew Sarkeesian is that Lane Kiffin. Like, you, you don't count. Uh, you don't count. Play Helmsley before him. But. Right. So, <laughs> I said, it's none, of those, none of those guys come in as flashy West Coast guys who could put up 70 points and make all the fans happy whether you win or lose, right? So, a lot of it, too, is like, how do you find that right person for that right fit? And you cannot do it at Duke. You cannot do it at Duke. Mm-hmm. Like everybody from my generation and your generation and 
people who are in their twenties only know Duke basketball with coach K on the sidelines. So when you only know a program being notorious for having one person at the reins, it never matters anymore who comes in there, right? Mm -hmm. Look how long Bama had to recover from the Bear Bryant dynasty. It took mm -hmm. Nick Saban, who is arguably the greatest coach of all time in college football, to revive that. So you have to, you know, unless you hit the jackpot, you get that, you know, pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, which is few and far between for most schools. A lot of schools will suffer for a very long time. What has Miami done since the Jimmy Johnson days? Not that much, right? So, I mean, they had two good seasons since then. Oh, one, oh, two. Yeah. So you know, it, it's just so hard to replace somebody who fits perfectly for that. And well, Butch Davis, dude. Even like the town that they're in. Huh? Butch Davis fits Miami mode, but then he left for the league. Yeah. Then that's yeah. like I stuck with Coker, who yeah. didn't fit the Miami mode. Mike, yeah. I, do, I do feel like I saw Mike had a rebuttal to John yeah, so my, my only thing thing is is like I, I agree it doesn't feel as prominent with the coaches in Duke UNC. I mean Duke UNC is always going to be Duke UNC no matter what what they do. I agree it's different when you don't have especially it's especially Coach K. Like I hated playing Coach K not because I dislike Coach K but because I was so bless you. Uh, I was so like jealous of how successful he was. It's like. Damn, another – I don't want to lose Coach K again. Like, it's been 30-something years. We keep losing Coach K. Like, it's that kind of thing. But I feel like with, with as far as, like, big-name coaches and stuff like that, it, it is – I agree. It is about getting the right coach with the right program, whether it be basketball or football. But we're seeing these – it kind of goes to, goes to the, the talk of, like, the rankings. We're seeing, like you said, new rivalries, and with those new rivalries will come the prominence of new coaches. Yeah. So while the prominence of Duke UNC coaching wise may not be, you might start to see some rivalry with like, I mean, Florida Atlantic, like they could end up being like even continuing to get bigger and bigger and building up a rivalry with, you know, like a Miami or Florida state or some Florida, somebody in, in state. And you get those two coaches rise up or you get someone out West all of a sudden, USC and UCLA, they rise, they rise up again and things like that. So I think for me, that's why I say like it's the show is we're always going to have the show. It's just sometimes the the names and programs can change. The hatred, is in, the bad blood is in there, but the best rivalry in the, within the ACC for basketball with Duke has actually been Virginia Tech, who's yes. had that number. And those games have been great. Or NC State, yeah. yeah. Dries, I'm interested to hear your take on this. Yeah, yeah no, nah, I've been thinking, and all you guys' responses are really good. I guess the only thing I've really been thinking about is that I know Coach K is at those practices. I know Roy Williams mm -hmm. is at those practices, you know, and a lot of what they put, you know, in those systems are still there. Um, and I think a lot of the struggle for those coaches that are in those positions now is from trying to do what they did with the same things in the system, right? That's where that struggle comes from. And this is just what my outlook at it, and I feel like, Maybe this is what the struggle is coming from. Um, but I do think that those big names, um, that's, those programs don't need the big names, not anymore. Like, mm. like, Jamie, like Jamie said, like those shoes are big to feel. Like you're like the, the chances of you feeling those shoes are not going to, it's probably not going to happen. But I do, I do believe that in today's time, if you're able to get an opportunity like that to follow a coach of that stature, then you are still recruiting with those same tactics. You're still coaching with those same tactics and you're still kind of implementing those same things. And, and that's what's going to get the player. 
you know, that's what's going to get those top players to still come to those programs. Now, if you switch it all the way up and you got a clean slate of just things that you that you've been wanting to try, you're not going to get those guys because you don't have those recruitment tools and, you know, bringing in those past players. They have no clue what you're what you're teaching. But when those when those players like Jason Tatum comes back to Duke and, you know, a lot of those greats like Zion Williams and when they come back and they see some of the same drills that Coach K did, you know, that keeps them engaged. Right. So I guess, you know, just my take on it is I know that those systems are still Im implemented at those schools. Um, but that's probably where the struggle comes from. But I do think that we're going to get further away, obviously, because Jim uh, Jim Beheim, a lot of those coaches are on their way out. You know, mm. they're, 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 that's that's what's where we're headed. That's just the, the mm. facts behind the thing. So it's just it's going to be interesting to see how college basketball reshapes itself. Yeah. And, and you know, last take on that is just basically one thing that you said that I liked is that these schools are going to like John Shire can't go in and just implement his own system and everything. He has to like kind of slowly. It's kind of like it's gonna sound weird, but it's kind of like weaning your dog off a of certain food. You gotta start, yeah, give him the old food, but start to implement your new food. Like maybe implement some new plays. I will right. give John Shire credit. He still got number one recruiting class next year and the number one recruiting class of the year after. So he's doing a good job on the on the recruiting. It's just like you said, like it's gonna take time for him to implement what he wants, and right. I think he understands it. And I think it takes a humble coach when you go into these programs that are historic like this like when you go into when a coach goes into alabama you're gonna need to kind of humble yourself and say look at they're expecting a national title immediately so you know give them a little taste give them a 10 and 2 record get them you know those type of records but understand that it's got to come here soon but right? address address the point john if you have one person you can name to take over the job of behind right away right. you're bringing in what are you gonna bring in well, I mean, it's already there. So I would, I would, I said Red Archery. Adrian really? Archery. Out of anybody, you could choose anybody to replace him. Not that you go with who you have to replace. If anybody's going to replace him, where you're going to not, never well, replacing the legend, but you're giving them a chance to make the tournament right away as a legit seed, who are you going to take? I mean, it's, uh, that was tough because there's not a lot of open options, right? Like last year. So I wasn't, I wasn't sure. No, like At it doesn't first, matter. I'm talking about open market. Open market. Coach, open market. Doesn't matter. Any, they're any coach you want. Name immediately, immediately I said Nate Oates because he coached at Buffalo. I liked what he was doing there. Um, I think he could have translated good to Syracuse's, you know, offense. Um, so uh, Nate Oates is your number one choice. That was the one I was, I was always high on. Over Patino. Correct. Okay. Well, Patino the point played I'm trying to prove that you're probably going to take another coach who has notoriety as a national champion coach. Right. right? And okay. that's my point. It's like you're going to replace somebody with somebody who's been there, done that, right? Which is the I got you. Your Patino playing right on time. This brings me to my point here. Mm -hmm. So uh, I do agree with Mike. This is a show. So that is part of – that's part of my thought is this is a show. We do mm -hmm. like the entertainment of these two coaches hate each other and stuff like that. But for me, if I'm a university, I'm really about building a brand. Oregon is a perfect example. Chip Kelly leaves. Everybody's like, what is Oregon going to do? Chip Kelly leaves. All he did was plug in the next guy that he left. Now Dan Lanning comes in. I couldn't tell the difference between Dan Lanning and Chip Kelly's Oregon because <laughs> they went out there, they branded Nike stuff, they branded socks, the new uniform, stuff like that. But my real key point, and why Rick Patino goes right back to what you were saying here, is the reason you brand it as the university and not the coach is because what if you're in a position where the coach fucks up? 
because now that's your brand, a.k.a. Penn State. The brand becomes you are Penn State. That is why y'all said Jerry Franklin has to come in because Penn State's brand became synonymous with Jerry Sandusky, which then became synonymous with Joe Paterno. Michigan State, Mel Tucker is now currently the brand. Who was before that? Larry Nasser. That is not a brand of Michigan State. At a certain point, we're starting looking at Michigan State. Like, is this what y'all do up there? Mm-hmm. And it's ain't what Michigan State does. I'm not saying mm-hmm. this. I'm sure if this clip comes out, some of the fans from Michigan State will be like, why would you come to university like that? I don't think Michigan State's like that. But now you just branded it to these two right. or three most important people in the university have this, but now put the stigma to a lot of regular citizens and regular people at that university who don't get down like that. So it is always a risk when you start to put one, no one man to have all that power, right? And that's where you start to make that risk of, making the coach a guy. And that right. is where I get leery of a lot of these godlike coaches mm-hmm. and figures right. that a lot of these coach or these colleges do put out. Rick Patino, everywhere he goes, we know he wins, but the school leaves out a black guy, Rick Patino puts that clean-ass white suit on, and he goes right to the next school and does what he does. <laughs> so I just always caution schools that. Don't make that your brand. Because it ain't just, you know, as much as football and basketball means something, you are still a university. There's only so many people that are invested in that. You know, you know, Penn State, it's, it was ugly out there. I don't oh, even yeah. want to tell you about what the Penn The first thing you say you went to Penn State, you didn't watch football in that era. The first question I'm going to say, what do you think about uh, Joe Paterno? You'd be a kid in this college like, I'm just some science nerd. I don't know anything about football, but now i got to ask a question about Paterno. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's a good point because a lot of these universities – I feel are going away from that by letting the coaches go so much sooner because they feel like, okay, like Texas A&M, J.M.O. Fisher, you know, no, this is A&M. We win here. We don't – and I think Manziel kind of started that back in whatever, yeah, 2012 so. or something. NFL fans need to relax. Relax on these young quarterbacks, man. I get that you want them to be good, and I get you draft them high hoping to be good, but you got to understand the system they're going into or where they came from. When you look at, like, Kenny Pickett or Zach Wilson, and I know people are going to chew me up about Zach Wilson, but looking at Kenny Pickett, he came from the ACC, not a very strong conference at all right now in football. So you look at it, he needs time to develop into a system. When you want him to go out and play hero ball, it's never going to work out the way you hope it's going to be. You need a strong running game. So when they started handing the ball off this past weekend and getting a lot of touches to the running back, that was huge because ultimately it allowed Kenny Pickett to relax in the pocket, hit the targets he, he needs to hit. Just speaking on young quarterbacks, you just need to kind of let them figure out the system, but also stop relying on them to do it all. I feel like we rely on the quarterbacks to do everything. And when we do that, it just, it screws up. I mean, then you then they're out of the league in three years because they never never given a chance really. And you're hoping to win a Super Bowl in the first year. And that's my fear with Bryce Young. Everyone's on them. Bryce Young has no one to throw to, really. You trade away McCaffrey. You trade away DJ Moore. Who else is he supposed to throw to at this point? You got to give him some time in this offense. Brand new offense. Faster pace. He's a smaller quarterback, but he's a good quarterback. I think he'll be good in a couple years if people just relax. Let's move on to our signature, of course, and our staple of our show, and that is Stomp, 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 squad. Yeah, boys. All right, boys and girls, and all you crazy people out there, it's our favorite time in the show. It is Stomp the Squad. This is when we ask each other a series of questions to see who we can stump. If you get it right, you get plus two. If you get it wrong, you get minus two. We know it all, so sometimes we just mess with you guys to make you feel like we don't. Hey, we got to keep it fun, right? 
But here's the deal. The person who has the most wins at show 100 gets crowned king of the stump or king of the stump, the squad. Whatever you guys want to phrase it at, I kind of like king of the stump because that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get my crown on and win that stump, the squad. 100 show is where we're going to do it. So you guys got to stay tuned up until then. But let's take it away, boys. So we can get that win streak going once again. I'm going to let John take us away this weekend because I feel like I don't want John to start off with negative points this week. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. You're welcome, buddy. <laughs> All right. So, and this is actually perfect because this is about your boys in Kentucky. How many teams have a winning record against Kentucky? 10, 14, 18, or 22? 18. 14. 14. Come on, Kentucky expert. Ten. Ten, because I know it's one in the SEC. So ten. All right. So I have successfully stumped Trey and Jamie. It is fourteen teams. I thought Trey said fourteen. Oh, time. He said fourteen teams have a winning record. Again, against them, it's kind of like bullshit because some teams are like, oh, they're like oh and one against the team. Right. So I'm like, oh, no, that's, yeah. that's bullshit, man. But it's yeah. still a loss, so technically, yeah. So Mike is, has two. I mean, I'm gonna throw it over to Mike now. Okay. So uh, we've discussed the Pac-12 and college basketball and stuff, but what we need to talk about is the time that college basketball had banned the dunk. Everybody loves dunks a lot of time. College basketball banned it. Could not slam the ball through the hoop. Tell me, guys, how long was the dunk banned in college basketball? Was it eight years, nine years, ten years, or eleven years? Can the answer be when Akeem Olajuwon came to my college basketball? <laughs> eight, nine, ten, or eleven? Eight, nine, ten, or eleven? Eight. Okay, so Dries says... Eight. John says eleven. Eight. Trey says eight. I want to say it was between seventy-five and eighty-four, so I'll go with nine. Jamie says nine. This week I have successfully stumped the squad. Ooh. It was ten. Oh. 1967 to 1976 because of one Lou Alcinder, otherwise known part. as Kareem yeah. Abdul-Jabbar. I knew that was why too. Yeah. I, I just, that's why I just didn't know how long they did. Yeah. One yeah. man changed the game that much. One man Eight changed years. the game that much. <laughs> Ooh, can I go? Next? Can you imagine, Andres? Go like you going? You going just can't dunk. Uh, <laughs> you could apparently apparently the closest thing to a dunk you could do was you could jump up and drop jump the ball in. through the hoop. Yeah, but you could not throw it down. You couldn't grab That's the rim. So you couldn't do anything like that. Shout out Mellow. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out Mellow. Yeah, a little like free fall. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Trace, Trace, go eager to go next. So Thank Trey can go next. Thank you. Because mine's about Kareem Abdul Jabbar too. So let's go. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> Since we're here. Because we're here That's speaking weird. of the legend, Lou Alcindor, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. We have two Lakers fans on today, so this is why I had to do a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar fact, because this is important. Yes, go Lakers. Okay, so Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, before LeBron, had the NBA scoring record. In what city did he actually break the scoring record? Damn. Hmm. 
Oklahoma City, Mexico City, Las Vegas, or St. Louis? St. Louis. St. Louis for John. There's some there's some weird shenanigans of of, mm-hmm. of teams going on Mexico. here. It can't be Mexico City. I mean, which is exactly why it might be. Hmm. I'm gonna just go with my gut. I'm gonna say Vegas. Okay, Mike's going Vegas. John, St. Louis. I'm gonna go St. Louis. Who the fuck would they have played in Vegas though? That's Louis? what I was thinking. I we don't know. I mean, St. Louis is a safe bet, but did they play an international game back then? Hmm. Was Los NBA in Central America? I, I'm on negative points. Who gives a shit here? Mexico City. <laughs> <laughs> take a shot. Take a shot. Take, take a shot. Preferably a shot. Okay, so today I have successfully stumped everybody except for Mike. Yes, it was in Las Vegas. Nice. Oh. So, between 1983 and 1984, the Utah Jazz, the newly Utah Jazz, because they left New Orleans, uh, they were very much struggling for attendance, so they went to go play 11 games that season in Las Vegas at the newly opened Thomas and Mac mm. Arena, which became UNLV's home, used for many boxing matches, summer league, and things such as that. It opened, and they used it as an ultimate attraction for the 1983-84 season. Now, as a side fun fact, what also happened right after that season when they were struggling with attendance in Utah, 1984, they draft John Stockton, attendance goes up, Utah Jazz are saved. Mm, wow. Dang. Well, there was shenanigans. There was very much shenanigans. They had to go there to save the team. They had to go there to save the team. <laughs> yes, they did. <laughs> All right, so we have scores at Mike at four, Jamie at Grandpa J at minus six, me at minus four, Trey at minus four, and Idris at minus two with two to go. So who do you want next? Go on, my Laker, Bridget. Idris, let's see what you got. Let go. All right, fellas. This school has the most national championship titles won in Division One. A, Oklahoma State. B, UCLA. C, Stanford. D, USC. The Conference of Champions reigns here. Stanford has had so many national championships in so many different sports. I'm going with Stanford. So it's total, like, Division One. Total, yeah, total, total Division One. Total Division One. Can I get the cards one more time? Yep. You got um, A, Oklahoma State, B, UCLA, C, Stanford, D, USC. I'm going SC. I'm going UCLA. Oh, see, you know, you'd think he'd say SC. You would think he'd say SC. But I actually have a, I have a decent feeling about Stanford, so I'll go Stanford. Okay. I may have made the mistake to follow Jamie, but whatever. All right. I have successfully stumped John and Trey. The correct answer <laughs> is Stanford. There's Stanford. Got it. Thanks, Jamie. You're welcome. <laughs> That was a, they got 123 national titles. Holy yeah! And then right behind them is UCLA with 118, and then USC with 107. And then I want to say I might be wrong, but I think Oklahoma was right behind all of them with 52. It's crazy. Oh wow! That's it's that much of a gap between three and four. 
You know what? Then Stanford can travel to the ACC now. People got to fucking catch him at this point. (laughs) So Grandpa Jay is next, but this week's Stump the Squad winner is going to be Mike. You're welcome, Mike. So let me see if I can stump the squad here. So we're going to keep it in the NBA. And I was looking at this the other day because I was having a debate with some of my other friends. And this came up. Who would you guys choose to take the last shot in a game? Mike, LeBron, Kobe, or Steph? Okay, and that had me thinking, well, let me kind of do a little research on this. Between those four amazing generational players, how many game-winning shots do they have? Buzzer beater game-winning shots Mm. in their careers combined. So all four of those players, Mike, Kobe, Steph, and LeBron, Mm -hmm. how many career buzzer beaters do they have combined? Is it 25, 27? 28 or 31 25 27 28 or 31 28 27 gotta go with the 27 31 yes gentlemen i have successfully stumped the squad today and here's why one name, Steph Curry, did not have his first buzzer beater until last season. He has one. What? LeBron has seven. He's had, he's made a lot of shots at Dries with like 0. 0.4 on the clock or 0. 0.9 on the clock. It wasn't yeah. a completely zero. He has one. Uh, LeBron has seven. Kobe is tied with none other than Joe Johnson, who both have eight, and Mike has nine. So that would make 25, nine, eight, seven, and one. Wow. Uh, wow. And you know, I'll throw you guys off because you would think Steph would have at least like three or four, right? Right. You got a couple of them, With the number of deep shots he's hit, I mean, you'd yeah. think. I mean, the one, part- the one on my birthday back in 2014, I want to say against OKC from half court, it was like, and he knew it. So I'm like, that's stupid. It's actually going in. Well, what's crazy about that, right? It's like, what what do you consider a game-winning shot? Like you said, is it at point one, or is it when the buzzer goes right. off? So he said buzzer. Walk off. Yeah, win. buzzer beater. Yes, he did. So. I was going to ask, like, what are some of you guys' favorite buzzer beater moments? Like, do you guys have any, like, buzzer beater moments that you're like, this was my one? Kobe. Uh, oh, that was Kobe. Okay, okay. Oh, you mean the back the back shot? Straight into yeah. his left. That was the fire one. That was, that was awesome. Hmm. That was a good one. Believe I mean, the, the, mic, the mic one against Cleveland when he hangs yeah. in the air and just double, you know. We're young people here. We put a lot for that. Mine is um, Derek Fisher against San Antonio, point four. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, I think one of my favorites right now is probably LeBron against Orlando in game two. I think court. it was. Yeah, that, was yeah, the half court mm-hmm. that won him at, that won that game. I mean, they ended up losing the series, but yeah. um, that was like. But I was like, damn, like LeBron is literally and he and when he hit the shot, you knew he was like, Thank God. I don't I don't have enough energy to go to overtime. I guess the most like, recent one that was the ugliest one ever was Kawhi's against the Sixers, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I remember watching the live, I was like, Doink. No <laughs> fucking way. And he's like he's like but you can see him be like be looking like I'm about to goaltend this shit, but I can't lose a game like <laughs> I just want to grab it. <laughs> but this week's week 85 champion is Mike on the winning board. So congratulations, Mike, for week 85. Idris, 
because we've changed up the way we do stump the squad. Yeah. With this, at the end of uh, on episode one hundred, we get a uh, championship belt, so or a championship crown or whatnot, and they hold it for twenty five. Whoever wins it holds it for twenty five episodes, and we keep doing every twenty five episodes. So got a little got a little stakes here going. As as you can see, I'm always marking up the you know my little. Five head hair, so the crown fits good on me. Nice. Right, <laughs> get ready, Mike. Take away the scores. Yes, so we have uh, Grandpa Jay still in the lead on the leaderboard at six. Uh, Trey remains in second with four. I now have three, and John has one. All I heard is I'm number one. That's all I heard. So, <laughs> oh yeah, I got John one. You can That's stay number one. Yeah. So we we get a five champions, Mike. Four. That's right. Shanky golf's in the house. Got this swaggy ass hat. Got dope ass polos, bags, golf balls, golf tees, anything you can think golf, they have it. Make sure you go get yours today and get yourself 15% off with Cinco Squad discount code. That's Cinco Squad. Make sure you guys go get yours today. Tee them up and let us know what you think. Listen up. It's never too early to get fresh. We got a promotion here. It's done with a group called Fans Idea. They make dope jerseys, just like this one you see right here. You can customize the jerseys, get your own type of logo, maybe do something for the family, for a family reunion. Just get fresh. They do jerseys, hats, T-shirts, shirts, whatever you need, they got it. That's where you need to go. But use that Cinco Squad link, Cinco Squad 10. It'll get you 10% off, so go ahead. Click that link. Gentlemen, this is a fantastic show. Great to have Idris back on the show. Any final thoughts before we head into this sports-filled weekend? Yeah, a lot Trey, of great basketball. Trey, I'll beat Rick this week. You beat Kyle. We'll both secure our playoff spots for uh, fantasy football. Yep. Here, secure <laughs> I just want to win. I want a win. Apparently, I, I jumped out of the elimination spot. Yeah. The E went away, and I'll, now I'm apparently – one percent back in the game, baby. Back in the game. Idris, you guys got any games this weekend? Yeah, well, we actually play tomorrow, so we're in a tournament. Um, we lost okay. yesterday, so we get into the consolation bracket. So we play tomorrow at four. Okay. Well, yeah. best of luck to your team. Hopefully, they uh turn it around after that loss and can got pull a out a good play. victory. How many games do you guys play a year? We got 27 this year. Wow. Jeez. Ooh, nice. wow. That's yeah. a lot. Yeah, so it's going to be a great season. And then it's our first year there. So the head coach there, this is his first year. And it's cool. the AD's first year, too. So it's a lot lot of change over there now. Cool. Well, thanks awesome. for your time, Coach. You know you're busy. Yeah. Nah, thank you guys for having me, man. I, I always enjoy it. It's always a great time. You know the best sure. part? I heard they clear Idris' schedule so you can tape on Wednesdays with us. Fell out the schedule. And in my head, I'm like, move this up, move this down. <laughs> it will actually make sense now with Cinco Squad. Cinco Squad, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, we appreciate you coming on. Best of luck to your team this year. We will be having you on again here um, yes. as much as you like. You can come on. Yeah. But. Yep, we okay. got a, we got we got a sports filled weekend. We got all the invitationals, all the tournaments starting next week. So make sure you tune in. We will be back here before uh, Turkey Day. So make sure you tune in next week for episode eighty six. This is Single Squad. We'll see you here next week, guys. Single Squad. Up.